Hey there! You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado <laughs> Brothers video game music podcast. <laughs> I don't know why that's kind of creepy to me, but uh, yeah, this is the podcast where we play, we share and discuss and play and talk about and do all kinds of stuff with the very best in video game music. You have to be quiet. I know, I know. Um, This is a Discord discotheque episode. It's the second um, time we've done that format, that type of episode. And the topic, the theme for this Discord discotheque is kid-friendly. And there's quite a few different ways that the members of our Discord thought about that topic, um, as we'll hear in the playlist. So all this music was chosen by our wonderful Discord community. it's kind of a nice little additional celebration of little Elliot today. Yeah, as part of my avuncular duties, I, I love that word so much, but I, I thought it would be kind of appropriate to theme this Discord discotheque episode around kind of the celebration of Carl's firstborn child. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, I think what's kind of fun is like we intentionally were not super explicit as to what kid friendly meant. Yeah. Um, I think it means different things to different people. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, cause all of this is, I, I, I assume all of this is instrumental video game music. So it's not like, no, there's some vocals actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> on this one. But, but still for the most part, it's like. Most of what we play, it's not like we're ever playing anything with like explicit lyrics or anything. Um, But still, I think uh, our community members did a wonderful job at selecting music that has associations of things that you might associate with um, games for children or music that we associate as like kids music or something colorful and fun. I think honestly, in general, most classic video game music is very kid friendly because it's very melodic. It's often short and simple and features a lot of repetition so it's memorable and catchy i mean Mm -hmm. i definitely remember as a kid you know so connecting to video game music more than any other kind of music and not because it was for a game you were playing playing the games yeah there's a reason so it looks like two vocal tracks that do actually have lyrics to some capacity and then another track that does feature the human voice without lyrics so um what you guys are hearing is rocket is dust from baba is you and this is composed by rv taikari and yeah this was one of many submissions we got a lot of submissions don't have time to play all of them one thing i want to say is i did go through and i kind of rated all of the submissions we got while i was holding little elliot i wanted to do that i thought that'd be fun so he listened to all of the submissions and he loved all of them He definitely did. And the way that I did track the week, (laughs) this episode, is uh, I was playing a track and I was watching his reaction. And his favorite track, the track that made him smile, um, is what I picked for track of the week. Uh, So we'll get to that at some point. Wow. Um, Yeah. So let's let's dive into some great music. And once again, we just want to thank our wonderful Discord community for these great picks. Uh, What do you say, Will? Should we move into some Final Fantasy music? If it's if it's gentle and if it's friendly and sweet <laughs> and perfect for I think it my, is my little yeah. nephew my cute little adorable not all the music is gentle today which is kind of cool I will say that this playlist if you just look at the list of games it's rock solid it's a really yeah I mean fun it playlist, doesn't so. kid friendly doesn't have to mean baby friendly you know right exactly yeah so this is from Final Fantasy VI it's Realm beautiful piece of music composed by Uematsu let's take a listen. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Realm from FF6, and a lot of the music today is going to be pretty calm, pretty relaxing, so you can look forward to that. There'll be some nice changes of pace, though. Uh, I didn't mention earlier, but we have an intermission segment today, too, so that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, this, this is pretty obvious, like, why this particular track was chosen. It's a very calming, very pleasing. It's kid-friendly, but it's one of those universal pieces of music it's i would say it's human friendly (laughs) yeah well and i think what's interesting is it's it's not you know the context of this and the arrangement choices aren't necessarily like overtly kitty or lullaby-esque i think this is a track Mm -hmm. that gives us those associations purely because of the composition the chords the notes of the melody um, it just gives you that relaxed, easy, Feels loving, like a, warm, familial a calm feeling. morning. Like the sun yeah. just came out, and it's you know the living room is being filled with sun, and you're kind of opening your eyes. That's the vibe here. I love I have the not instrumentation. Played Final Fantasy VI, so I don't know the context. I love the instrumentation, particularly those folk pipes. They almost sound kind of like bagpipes, and the particular mm-hmm. ornamentations that Uematsu is imitating there. It just—it's wonderful implementation, particularly for the Super Nintendo. Um, but it's also just so there's something about the timbre of that that really fits musically with this composition and that's what's so interesting is if you were hearing this played on the piano you wouldn't necessarily think oh I know what to do with this melody folk pipes like that's not what yeah that wouldn't be my first instinct yet it so fits the tone and it it heightens the um, the musical storytelling and kind of world painting that I think the Final Fantasy series is so well known for. A lot of other people and us have definitely praised the sound and the implementation of Final Fantasy VI, but if in case there's someone out there that wants to hear it again, yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy VI is really one of the like de facto SNES scores. Like you, you hear it. You hear the samples used a lot in like modern stuff when people are making original SNES music. The samples are so good. The implementation is so good. It's really one of the well, best. And also sounding just compositional. Like the way that that's such a simple piece of music on the surface, yet it maintains interest from every second. And that the if you notice like sort of the trading off between elements where your ear is constantly shifting, even in the opening bars, you're going from a it's higher just a melodic line yeah, to the string movement and then the da 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 And it's one of those pieces that could be translated perfectly if you just you know found the actual real world instrument equivalent yeah um this is fun we're now going from super nintendo to nes uh i love this submission mick kids Mm. perfect (laughs) by charles deenan let's take a listen to i think a piece that we haven't actually played on the podcast so one of the other (laughs) bgm tracks this is lazy leaves You guys are listening to Lazy Leaves from Mick Kids by Charles Deenan for the NES. 
And yes, we've never played this particular track before on the podcast. And that's the case with the majority of the playlist that made the episode today. I think there's about four, maybe five um, tracks on here that we have played before, some of which are absolute classics. And a lot of this stuff we've never played, which is always really fun. Uh, We don't make that specific when we're asking uh, the Discord people to pick tracks. You can pick classic stuff. You can pick obscure stuff. Um, So, yeah. Uh, luckily, people do well, a nice mix. And I think mix. that's the big difference between Discord Discotech and um, what we do, what we used to do with the listener show and tells, where this isn't explicitly about you know playing things, showing us things that we've never heard before. It's more about even though a lot of people like, choose to do that. Yeah, exactly. Which is what's so cool about it. But you know, we also this is just a a, a full complete playlist of things old and new that really fit the theme today and what's interesting is this is a track that there's a lot that i have to say about this um this is a track that i think kid friendly obviously because kids is in the title of mckids this is a mcdonald's sort of franchise tie-in um title like a promotional vehicle it's a platformer kind of you know sort of like a mario brothers 3 clone in a sense but the music here what i think is most interesting about it is actually the implementation and arranging not to say the melody and underlying you know music isn't good i think it's it's satisfying but what makes it particularly of note is the way that charles implemented it's so charming yeah very plucky yeah it sounds great for the nes i mean these are these are sounds that are kind of crappy. You know, for someone who didn't grow up with this system, a lot of people would hear NES music and be like, oh, that sounds kind of kind of bad. Um, but Charles, like a lot of other great people that worked on this system, is able to take those primitive sounds and really finesse them so that this is, you know, communicated pretty clearly. We definitely get the vibe he's going for, this tropical staccato feel. Well, and he's kind of bringing the language of a lot of computer music and you know, we've talked a lot about like the Commodore 64 demo scene. The use of that rapid mm-hmm. arpeggiation is something that a lot of kind of western computer music composers did. It wasn't as common um, at least not with a lot of Japanese composers on the NES. Um, and that's something that kind of I, I associate with like the Fallen's or you know, yeah. composers like Charles Deenan um, to utilize that. But the other thing that I want to talk about is like what makes this so cute and so kid friendly. And part of it is the timbre of that lead instrument. It's using a duty cycle switch right at the beginning to have a really plucky and almost chime like timbre. And there's something so cute about that. But the other thing that really complements the overall arrangement is if you listen to the triangle channel, that bass line, it's incredibly smooth and legato. Yeah, it's it 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 kind of features this like not necessarily portamento, but just like a nice um, legato, no rearticulation on the changes of notes, which gives it such a great contrast. But it's also, you know, the triangle channel isn't capable of the same timbral variance as the square. So it's it's smart use of you know writing idiomatically, if you can say that, for these tools, but also creating an, a dynamic arrangement where you have the sense of instruments, you know, something smooth and legato. Um, almost like a string bass, almost like a fretless mm-hmm. bass or something that doesn't have a kind of punchy rearticulation or maybe an yeah, upright Yeah, I really wish bass. that um, Charles did more work on the NES because he, <laughs> he really got it to sound 
special. I mean, McKid sounds very special, really good. Uh, let's move on to an interesting pick. I had never heard of this, and when I first saw it on the spreadsheet, I was like, wait, what? This doesn't exist. Um, but sure enough, it started off as an unofficial fan game. It's called, It was originally called Mother 4, so it was you know inspired by the Mother series. There is no Mother 4. Um, so it started off as that, and then eventually they rebranded it, and so now it's, um, it still hasn't been released, but it's now called Oddity. Uh, but keep that in mind because it really captures the spirit of the Mother series. This track is It's Gotta Be You, and it's composed by Shane Mesa. guys listening to it's gotta be you from mother four also known as oddity by shane mesa i'm excited to get your thoughts on this track will implementation wise um some of the choices there but also the composition we're very familiar with this series if you think about series composers such as shogo sakai um who who really created something really special and charming with mother three what are your thoughts on what shane was able to achieve with this track yeah, I mean, I think it follows in the tradition of, you know, you mentioned Shogo Sakai, but also the original Earthbound, which so yeah. much of that music, I mean, there's an incredible eclectic variety because some of the songs function like songs, like pop music, and they have that sort of pop arranging quality, almost as though you could imagine them being played as source within the world. The The humor yeah. of that series is a really characteristic feature, and there's a lot of kind of self-aware breaking the fourth wall yeah absolutely um and so that's sort of a feature of that yet those soundtracks are also varied and feature more uh, almost avant-garde experimental pieces that feel more like film underscore um and so the having that variety this is definitely more of the former in terms of its sort of poppy cute sound uh, but i think they're doing a wonderful job it's interesting thinking of mother four i think spiritually what i think of is the real mother four is undertale because that game is so mm-hmm. influenced by this series uh, particularly in its tone in the way that it balances kind of serious narrative with um humor and it is obviously the um, gameplay cool though that you know, Shane wanted to go for a much more specific sound. I mean, if you think about Mother 3, it's all GBA samples. 
Uh, whereas with his soundtrack here, it's it's less eclectic than the Undertale. I mean, the whole point of the Undertale is that sense of humor. The, the sound of of the score is very eclectic. Um, so this one feels less eclectic um, to me. It feels like almost like he's he's making a new original SNES score for the series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really impressed by that composer. I look to look forward to when the game does come out to listen to the whole thing. Um, all right, let's move on to a really funny one. If we ever had an episode on funny music, uh, this would be a perfect contender. I've never heard of this game. It's Um Jammer Lammy. And this is a song that has vocals. It's called Baby Baby. How perfect. It's composed by Messiah Matsura. Enjoy. Well, that's an absolute delight. You guys listening to Baby Baby from Um Jammer Lammy. I know zero, zero percent about this game. I know absolutely nothing about it. It's composed by Masaya Matsura, but I loved that song. That was hilarious. I <laughs> I love the baby singing and the, you know, call and response with the guitar. I got to say the guitar work is outstanding. Like the tone and the playing really captured that Chuck Berry feel like really well. Um, so yeah, the, the production, the performance is great. Singing's hilarious. Uh, I love the lyrics, you know, mama, mama, somebody hold me. Just delightful. This would be a great song for the baby on dinosaurs to sing. Cause just the, the humor Absolutely. of it sort of, and like the self-awareness of, you know, a baby speaking just sort of reminds me of that. But uh, this is just so charming. And I think the perfect choice of genre too, like, it's just like playful yeah. and lovable and fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a track that I think needs no analysis. It's everything about right. it is so self-evident. Looks like this is a rhythm game, uh, which came out for the PS1. That sounds about right. Uh, let's move on to <laughs> something that could not be more different. This is a track that we have played and gush over before on the podcast. It's from Napletail by the wonderful Yoko Kano. Mm. This is a really good choice for a kid-friendly. So whoever chose this, kudos. Cecil's Garden from Napletail. Let's take a listen.
charming. You guys listening to Cecil's Garden. And if I was just going to go with my normal approach, I may have chosen this for track of the week. It's from Napple Tale by Yoko Kano. And this is my kind of kid-friendly music. Like, this is, this is inspiring me to put together a playlist of kind of lullaby-esque VGM that's also really strong musically because you know if I had this playing around the house on loop I would not get sick of this what I am getting sick of is you know the 15 seconds of Ode to Joy and Canon and D and all the (laughs) you know stuff that is currently being looped by like the swing and stuff like that Um, so yeah I should do that yeah absolutely I mean Yoko Kano does she ever disappoint I mean she is just she's one of those composers who is it seemingly she can write in any style and she's so incredibly prolific you know she writes for these massive soundtracks her body of work is just so massive yet I don't get the sense that there's like a simple formula or kind of a dispassionate soulless churning out a lot of music quality Not every at time all. I, I listen to a composition of hers there's just it's just full of detail and emotion Nuance, care and it's, heart yeah and it's like but you think about this this is so completely different from some of the kind of like jazzy genre specific stuff that she's known for in a lot of her anime work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, she is just, I was kind of joking to Carl. I think she is the all time greatest Yoko. I mean, there's many Yokos associated with music. It's really hard I, to beat her. Yeah, I mean, and and Napple Tail is a very special piece of work from her. And it does actually showcase her eclecticism and her you know diversity in musical styles so big big fan of that score and again great selection whoever that was this is a nice one-two punch this is a full-blown lullaby and there were a couple of other ones that were chosen lullabies um yeah we have to have at least one quintessential lullaby on this episode so this is the perfect one for that it's piranha plants lullaby from super mario 64 this is the version that you hear in the game what's cool is on the like official i guess if you want to say it's soundtrack there's also um kind of like a midi piano version that apparently is you know the midi performance of koji himself there's like a piano version of this which is kind of cool but this is the version the music box version of the game let's take a listen Plants Lullaby, as if we had to say, from Super Mario 64, by the one and only Koji Kondo. little shout out to our friend Jackson. <laughs> it always makes me think of him now. 
His really fun vocal version of this song is great. Yeah, I mean, it was such a it was such a good choice to have this um, dynamic piece of music that fades in when you get close to a piranha plant that's still sleeping. So you have to kind of sneak past them. Um, so a lot of times when you're playing the game, you might only hear this for a couple seconds. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really wonderful piece of music. Another case of Koji like doing something better than he needed to. Yeah, it's it's just one of my favorite lullabies. Well, and also the, you know, when we did our episode, um, you know, Marty touched on the sort of like Andy Warhol quality of Koji Kondo, and I think a piece of music like this is sort of a perfect example of it, where it's like mm-hmm. the material comprising it is seems so earnest and sweet and of a specific genre and idiom, but like you're describing, right. Carl, its context in the game is played almost for a joke or for sort of an ironic self-awareness. Yet the music itself, it's not like he was, you know, I don't want to curse, so it's not like he was half-butting it. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) No, yeah, totally. But it's like, it's so sincere. It's such a a beautiful, um, emotional... I mean, part of me suspects that maybe this is something he had already composed for one of his own children as like an actual lullaby because it's just such a gorgeous melody. So good. Um, You know what would have been so cool is if the like just before you got to the final bowser there was like some final piranha plant uh that like you would talk to or something and there was maybe like more of a, an arranged version of this with like strings or something yeah i mean this that is one that cool. would i would love for this to be in the the score of the super mario brothers movie and i have some sort of feeling that this is the kind of track that we I shall can see, see being alluded to. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely adore this. And the harmonic progression, again, when you think of a lullaby, you think of something so simple, yet there's so mm-hmm. much subtlety and kind of chromatic detail in the way that he uses these sort of passing diminished the chords. Final in the way that he gorgeous. returns back to the loop in that sort of mm-hmm. descending way, it's, it's so unique and it's there's not another piece of music that uses that exact progression yet it just feels so instantly classic and universal all right it's time to play some t lopes music and we're going to play the first time on this podcast a tmnt shredder's revenge track gotta just spotlight on it at some point uh great pick on this one uh it's a full-blown song with lyrics and this may surprise everyone, but I really love this song. I've, I'd heard it before. <laughs> I really, really like it. It's very charming. It's Panic in the Sky. It's composed by T. Lopes and Johnny Atma. Here we go.
You guys are listening to Panic in the Sky. Just, they absolutely nailed this one. It's from Shredder's Revenge. This is by T. Lopes and Johnny Atma. Uh, we've played some of his covers before. He's actually better known by uh, Gametal. Um, so mm. an amazing guitarist uh, and singer. The vocals are very reminiscent in the style of the lead singer of The Offspring, I would say. It kind of has that kind of harsh, punk raspy sound to it but gets up there belts yeah just it's a great song the melody is outstanding the harmonies are great it's cheesy it's 90s it's everything you want i mean if you're gonna do vocals in video game music this is this is how to do it (laughs) yeah i mean and i think it instantly nails the genre and the like joke of it is so clear yet where it goes in the kind of chorus in the secondary section it's like Again, it's just like what we were saying with Koji, there's an earnestness. There's a crafted kind of, you can tell there's love in this. And there's like places it goes melodically in terms of the performance and everything that it's like really satisfying and like a great piece of classic VGM. It's just, it's catchy and so appealing, but high energy, blood pumping. And there's something really cool about how it all gets executed. And it's not what you'd expect. I, I wouldn't think that this would be cool because it's so clearly like almost making fun of a particular thing. It's having, or I guess not making fun of, but it's having fun with this kind of like really cheesy 80s So much fun. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine them having any more fun (laughs) than they're having in this track, Panic in the Sky. And again, I just have to give a shout out to Johnny. I mean, his guitar work you hear is great. His vocals, he absolutely nailed it. I wasn't aware of how great of a singer he was, so that was a really good treat. And the composition, you've got orchestra hits, you've got kind of jazzy chord changes. I mean, this is just everything you want. I think this is going to please almost everybody. It's a song, but it feels like it's taking its musical influence from like the arcade soundtrack to Turtles in Time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it has like a really well thought out melody that was clearly composed like before they started to sing it. It's like some some songs that have vocals, like when you hear the melody, it's like, oh, this was clearly just like farted out, you know, just like the first thing they tried when they were singing along to it. And maybe that's not all, always the reality, but that's what it feels like. This is like a really well thought out melody. Yep, hats off. Okay, let's move on to this week's track of the week. And, you know, this is the track that as soon as it started playing, Elliot was smiling. And has he smiled for real yet? No. And was it probably because he was farting? Yeah. But you know what? I'm still <laughs> I'm still going to allow it. It's from Yoshi's Woolly World, which feels right. Uh, this is Scarf Roll Scamper, composed by Tomoya Tamita. Here we go.
You guys listening to Scarf Roll Scamperer, composed by Tomoya Tamita. I love Yoshi's Woolly World, the soundtrack in the game so much. And yeah, this this was Elliot's favorite. I'm sorry, it just it just was. It's very very delightful, very very good kid friendly music. I can't remember if we included this. I'll look it up. If we included this in our Yoshi Woolly World episode, so if not, it's probably never been played. Well, on the and podcast. that also just tells you how high the bar is for this soundtrack. That a track this good is potentially not even on the episode. Because I mean, I'm with Elliot. This is outstanding. It's and there's so there's so much to delight in in this composition, harmonically, melodically, the arrangement. It's just so fun and creative and. Uh, I don't know. It's it's it stylistically it's so different from the work of Koji Kondo, but what it has in common is that sort of unpretentious quality where um and a lot of Nintendo composers are this way. I think Kazumi Tataka is the same way where the overall presentation is incredibly unpretentious and fun and for the delight of the audience, for the player, for the listener. Mm-hmm. Um yet there's a lot of craft and attention to detail and subtlety and nuance that goes into the choices that are made here, but they're not self-serving. They're not meant to call right. attention to how clever or brilliant the composer is. It's purely selfless. It's in the interest of the listener. And I, my favorite music is that way where it's using, you know, it's not a lobotomized piece of music by someone without mm-hmm. thought. There's, there's cleverness and intention and probably a tremendous amount of hard work that goes into something like this, but it's purely an expression of love and it's for yeah, the and listener. It's just so charming. I mean, this whole game is is incredibly charming and Tomoya Tamita did an outstanding job of matching the game and elevating it in a lot of ways. Well, we have a really fun intermission segment today. It's been a while since we've had one of these. Um, so let's go over to that now. Our good friend Stephen Kelly prepared something. Take it away, Stephen. Hey everybody, Steven here. You may know me from the other video game music podcasting brother duo. Even though Carl said I could do a segment on any subject of my choosing, no, I know what you're thinking. It's not going to be about Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm expanding my horizons all the way to a different Sonic Team classic, Nights into Dreams. For those of you not in the know, Nights into Dreams is a trippy Sega Saturn game about a magical jester who flies through vaguely lucid 3D landscapes on a fixed 2D plane. At first glance, it's kind of an obtuse mess, but once I learned the mechanics, it became a really joyful flow state of just total aerial freedom. It's all about the loops, twirling into paraloops to banish enemies, racking up as many points as possible on each loop of the level, and, of course, some seriously long-form soundtrack loops. (music) 
If Ristar were to quit his day job and join T-Square full-time, the result would probably be the music of Nights into Dreams. And that makes perfect sense because Tomoki Sasaki herself is joined by two other Sega superstars, now Fumi Hataya and Fumie Kumatani. Together, they weave this undeniable dreamscape of constantly shifting rhythms and tempos and solos that can turn into these 10-minute long jam sessions. And the really wild thing? The tracks evolve based on how the local population of Nightopia is feeling on any given day. Kind of like a prototype chow garden, you can interact with the little Nightopians by hatching eggs, breeding new combinations, and don't you even think about it, paralooping them. This all takes place in the background of the levels, and you could totally finish the game without even noticing. Like I said, it's obtuse. Of course, there's also a treasure trove of more traditional tracks <laughs> that was surprisingly alliterative. But most notably, I'm talking about the boss tracks. Sworn enemies of the Nightopians, you see, are the Nightmarin, a gaggle of Alice in Wonderland-esque fever dreams who maliciously break the barriers between sleeping, waking, and genre. So you've got some opera, throw in a little saxophone, some shredding guitar that just hits the spot. Did our composer trio get a little carried away with the burgeoning power of CD-ROM technology? Yes, they, they did. Thank God. And 27 years later, I think it's fair to say that Nights Into Dreams is the very definition of a sleeper hit. Thanks for listening, everybody, and sweet dreams. Thanks so much, Stephen. We always love any interaction that we can have with the Kelly brothers, some of our oldest and closest VGM yeah, thanks, buddies and pals, fellow podcasting the brothers. And, you know, I always associate the Kellys with the Sonic series. So I think focusing Close on, enough you know, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another series kind of um, authored by the same mind you in know, a that game that, that game. you know definitely does not get a lot of, enough love on this podcast yeah. so thanks a lot steven let's move on um this is a good choice it's from tiny tune adventures buster's hidden treasure 
a game that's based on a kid's show, so I totally get that there. track we haven't played before. It's called The Forest, and it's composed by Shinji Tasaka and Tsuyoshi Saikido. Here we go. Such a colorful Genesis track. Outstanding implementation there. This is The Forest from Tiny Toon Adventures, Buster's Hidden Treasure. Just a good soundtrack. We have Tasaka and Sakido that composed this one. And Will, what do you think may have been some of their inspirations when they were working on this this game? I mean, obviously they probably were watching the, the, the show and listening to that music, which has great music. Um, but if you go back further, what could have been, you know, some things they were listening to while, while scoring this game in the 90s? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of influences. The first thing that we have to talk about is the music of the show composed by Bruce Broughton and that incredible, you know, Tiny Toons theme, which is alluded to here, which he was very influenced by, you know, the music of the Warner Brothers cartoons, particularly the legendary composer Carl Stalling, who's sort of Mm -hmm. really behind a lot of that classic cartoon music, what they now call Mickey Mousing, that really closely observed almost classical approach of the music hitting every little beat and all these delightful comic turns. And it's, it's yeah. such a great sound. And he sort of incorporated that into his work. Um, and I think that's clearly one of the influences here yet. This, this composition just kind of, it's not exactly, it feels like their original approach to that pre-established genre, almost as though they're tapping into some of the things that Bruce was also influenced by. And it makes um, at least this piece of music kind of have its own identity. And I like the way they're briefly alluding to the Tiny Toons theme, but not overly relying on it it kind of reminds me totally. of some of the they music in the, the bomberman series where we'll wink to the jun chikuma theme but just a little bit and if anyone is is maybe a little younger than me tiny tunes was such a good cartoon it was one of my favorite cartoons in the 90s i watched it all the time and it was really funny and it was a perfect balance i think definitely kid friendly it was it wasn't like super inappropriate right. or anything kind of based in the old school style of like uh, you know, Looney totally. Tunes. Um, and you know, but wh- it was a little bit more uh, at, at times darker, and maybe kind of talking about like modern issues here and there. Right. Well, I was looking it up, and I didn't realize this. Obviously, Bruce did the great theme, and he was a composer on the show. There's a total of ten composers in the course of the show that contribute music uh, to to the sh- to the series. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, that's pretty cool. Um, I'm such a big fan of Bruce Broughton. I mean, he's he scored uh, several, you know, iconic film scores like Tombstone and Silverado and things like that but Mm -hmm. um, he's also known for a lot of TV work like Tiny Toons and Dinosaurs which also has an incredible theme and I think one of our personal favorites 
the entire score to Heart of Darkness. I had the yeah. um, so privilege of us. meeting Bruce a couple of years ago, and I got to talk to him for a long time. And I was asking him yeah. a lot of questions about Heart of Darkness. But there's at one point he was playing the Tiny Tunes theme for me at the piano, and I think he was he was talking about a specific modulation because you know because the dun 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 and then it goes like the particular shift that it makes. I might have sung it incorrectly, but he was saying that he got that so from, you know, some Carl Stalling thing where he's like in, that's what I think is so cool. It's a great song, yet the song, in the same way we were just talking about with the TMNT thing, where the influence of that song, it's like, yeah, it's from the 80s, but it's also specifically video game music influence. Bruce's mm-hmm. theme song is influenced by the actual cartoon underscore of the old Warner Brothers cartoons, which is, I think, what gives it that feeling of, like, it's so familiar the first time you hear it. Yeah, that was delightful. Uh, I gotta check out more of that. I mean, I've heard more of the Super Nintendo Tiny Toons game Same soundtrack. Here. I gotta listen to more of that Genesis one. Okay, another Final Fantasy tune made today's playlist. This is from Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X. It's Yuna's Determination, composed by Uematsu. Here we go. You guys listening to Yuna's Determination, and this was composed by Uematsu. Uh, on this game, he was actually joined by Hamauzu as well as Junya Nakano, uh, which is cool. Um, obviously, Hamauzu would go on to <laughs> make many, many masterpieces. This is a perfect choice for this episode. I love this. It's it's if you think about what you're hearing instrumentation-wise and just how sparse it is, it totally fits. But it's quite emotional. There's kind of a tragedy to this. So I like the idea of having a playlist of kid-friendly. And and this, I would maybe put it on that uh, playlist I'm going to make. I like the idea of not all the the tunes being overtly happy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's very bespoke. It's very kind of sparse and sweet and with a lot of Mm -hmm. emotion. I mean, I think, you know kid-friendly and this is something i think it's actually really important to discuss um i think the the art that most is effective for children in my recollection and in my personal experience is art that doesn't talk down to children um and i think that's why like 
it's more if engaging. you think about like the films by Pixar or Studio Ghibli, um, you know, the work of composers like Joe Hisaishi, pretty intense topics yeah, and heaviness, and sadness, and they deal with the full emotional spectrum because you know kids do live in the real world and they have to experience. Like I don't know if lots of difficulties. Uh, if, you know, when the movie came out, if people would consider like something like Princess Mononoke a kids' movie, I don't think it is. But if you think about all the craziness that happens in that movie, or even a movie that is rated G, it's a kids' movie, The Lion King. Think of all the incredibly sad things even, that happen in the first, like, you know, Toy 20 Story, of that movie. Finding Nemo. I mean, there's so many films that like they deal with really sad, profound moments that things that would yeah. make you cry and make you emote and it feels genuine and sincere and i think kids can handle that and i think that really connects with them when they feel like mm-hmm. they're not getting a sort of watered down version they're not being condescended to and i think kids can kind of smell um falseness and insincerity and more than they're given credit for yep uh, I'm excited to move on to a pick from Ahead in Time, which is a really good score. We've definitely played some tracks from in the past. Uh, so good job, whoever chose this. It's the main theme from Ahead in Time. And that score was composed by Pascal Michael Stiefel. Let's take a listen to the main theme. guys listening to the main theme from a hat in time and it's a wonderful score um and yeah i don't know if we've ever played this main theme before um but really delightful arrangement you know mix of of different instruments that sometimes might surprise you theremin over sequenced orchestra with drum kit just a lot of colorful cool choices really strong composition uh, yeah, this this is definitely kid-friendly music for sure. It's very imaginative music. It's music that kind of jumps out of the, you know, iTunes player, at least for me. That's what I'm using here. Um, and I can only imagine kind of jumps out of the screen when you're playing this game. Yeah, absolutely. Really colorful, interesting orchestration and arranging, delightful melodies. Uh, it yeah. feels classic. It's one of those instantly classic-sounding compositions and i mean that's mm-hmm. the the power of a well composed melody um it has nice that job, uh, it has that effect where it feels familiar on the first listen almost like you could sing along to it but yet it's like just enough it doesn't feel necessarily cliche or overly derivative and that's a hard balance to to achieve um but it's one of the things that 
excites me so much about writing music is that sort of um it's like just out of reach that quality of like writing a really universally appealing melody it feels like accessible enough to anyone but also such a difficult thing to achieve totally well let's move on to a pick from tunic which is cool because i don't think correct me if i'm wrong well i don't think we've played anything from that game on the podcast yet it's a 2022 game an action adventure game which i've heard a lot of really good things about and i haven't really checked out the soundtrack so i should do that after (laughs) this recording here but this is a really good piece of music sunset breakfast from tunic and it is by life formed as well as janice kwan here we go You guys are listening to Sunset Breakfast, which might be my first, my personal favorite. Oh my god, it's so good. I was not expecting the beat upon first listen, and it's just so atmospheric. This is kid-friendly music for me. I I want to play this kind of music to Elliot. This is so good. By Life Formed, as well as Janice Kwan. And I just have a feeling like maybe Janice uh, was the one who composed that melody and kind of did the perhaps did the piano elements and maybe life formed did kind of the the electronic stuff i don't know Uh, but in any case i'm gonna check out this whole score because this is outstanding really beautiful and you know what they say um if you supposedly if you play highly chromatic and you know harmonically complex music to you know young developing children it does increase their um likelihood of developing perfect pitch and like really acute Hmm. Um, musical ear and sensitivity to specific notes. Does it do anything to just make them a nice, kind person or not? I don't think so, <laughs> but I think that's all, all right, on you, I'm man. Keep browsing around for the right tune to do that automatically. Just kidding. Uh, let's move on to one more piece of music that has vocals in it, even though there's not English lyrics to it, and it's from Rayman Origins. It's Sea of Serendipity, Lums of the Water, a really fun, jazzy piece of music composed by Christoph Horal, a classic podcast staple. Here we go.
You guys are listening to Lums of the Water. It's by Christoph Haral from Rayman Origins. And I need more Haral in my life. It's I been too long. God, I do. I really need a new Rayman score from him and Billy Martin, too. He can join in as well. Yeah, I mean, it's he, some of my this, favorite video game scores. <laughs> the, this, the music in these two titles is so good. It's kind of like... Almost too good. Yeah, it, it deserves to win an award in a different medium. It's I mean, so the good, this should great. win an Oscar. Um, especially Legends, you know, great, great games. But, like, the music is the best thing about the games. And it just almost gets better and better as the years go on, like Fine Wine or something. Especially some of these Origins tracks. I didn't fully appreciate how good they were. Uh, when the game was released, I, I liked it, and I remember we talked a lot about it. But it's like as the years go on, it's like, man, they did something really special with both of these scores, and particularly the the work of uh, Christoph Haral. Billy Martin tended to do. I mean, uh, uh, the whole the uh, the whole of the soundtracks is full of genre pastiche, lovely kind of jazz informed yeah. elements, but. Christoph, I feel like, touched on a pretty singular and unique style all its own that kind of became and I, I think it's very unrelated to the music of the Rayman series leading up to this. But he really created what I think of as like a sound of the series this late into it. But it's almost like definitive to me of like what separates Rayman from any other game with a similar child-friendly kind of quirky aesthetic he really made some unique interesting bold choices in the blend in the mix of intentionally comedic and just breathtakingly beautiful um both melodically in terms of the orchestration and arrangement and then what he does with kind of the follow-up to this track which we've played so many times the lums dream where you're taking this goofy light-hearted music with these basically chipmunk voices doing nonsense words getting them to basically develop that same material but now in this earnest ethereal almost eric whitaker-esque corral fashion and it's just so breathtakingly beautiful and it's it's one of the most incredible one-two punches in any video game where recontextualizing something silly in such a serious like way without changing or removing the comic element it's yeah i'll I'll never forget experiencing um, that for the first time it's interesting. We've had discussions about how uh, the subsequent track, which is one of our all-time favorite pieces of music, can be a little bit divisive. There's some people that find it annoying. Um, so hopefully this one is, is maybe less divisive. I think uh, if anything, it's on. more annoying, but I I adore it. <laughs> it's so good. Let's move on to a pick from Ekenfell, which is a wonderful soundtrack that we've played, I think, at least one piece from before. It came out a couple years ago. Uh, by the husband and wife duo Aivi and Surashu. This is Lullaby for a Witch, which is the title screen. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Lullaby for a Witch, title screen from Ikenfell by Ivy N. Surashu. Um, we have some really big fans of this duo uh, in our Discord community, um, and this is a score that I still haven't listened to the whole thing. Everything that I've heard from it has been outstanding. Okay, we're committing um, to it right now. We will do a spotlight on we have this to score. Do a spotlight I've never heard it. this yeah, I mean, before. I don't know anything about it. It's one of those it. scores that I heard so much praise and so much excitement about. I think it came out in 2020, I want to say. Um, so yeah, it's one of those ones. And also, I, I think another one that feels similar to me and maybe a similar time frame when it came out, Chicory, I also have to commit to <laughs> doing a spotlight. Now, that one I have listened to if, if not the whole soundtrack, like most of it. I mean, both of them are so, this so This is good. an outstanding melody, incredibly unique arrangement, and just the sonority. Reminds me of Mario Galaxy. But the sonority of those harmonies and the, the production and the sound of those synths, it's just exquisite. And then just painted on top with one of the most beautiful and original melodies that I've heard in a really mm-hmm. long time. This gives me the feeling of, you know, classic Nintendo Koji Kondo kind of melodic yeah, and beauty. I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on this uh, composing duo slash band. Um, but what I will say is I'm pretty sure IEV has a lot of simple piano based, not simple, I should say more performed piano based music and compositions uh, seems to be what I've heard in Surashu maybe seems to do more electronic chippy stuff. And so I just have a feeling you can hear that natural pairing and that natural collaboration here with kind of maybe who handled what and and possibly who wrote what elements. Um, So I look forward to doing that spotlight. Um, I I recommend to anyone who's kind of like an inspiring composer and wants to get better at crafting memorable and simple melodies – Study this track. Study the melody of this track, and particularly the mechanics of it. Notice when it repeats, when it breaks yeah. the repetition. Um, because I I find a lot of times when people write melodies, they just have way too many notes in them, or they mm-hmm. force a kind yeah. of structure to yeah, this it is in a an unnatural way. Melody. Or yeah, if this it's is about simple, like, it's almost too how simple. How simple can we get it? Yeah, it's like really pay attention to when they repeat something when they break that repetition, when they eliminate a note that you're expecting. Maybe they establish a pattern of five notes, but the second time they only play three or four of them. Um, the, the specifics of that, I think uh, this is just... I, I don't want to say textbook, because again, it's not a formula, but it's just incredible This is exactly taste. the kind of VGM I want to put on that playlist <laughs> to play for my little one. Okay, uh, let's move on to a pick from Ego. This is Heal. And it sounds so familiar to me, so I think that we've played this. I know we played Eco Tracks, but I think we've played this exact track before in the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. But the composers we have are Koichi Yamazaki and Mutsukuni Morayama. This is Heal. Thank you. 
you guys listening to Heal. And yes, we have played this before. It was in that trilogy episode. I think we were joined by Carlos and Brian on that wonderful episode. So yeah, really interesting piece of music. I've always been fascinated by the implementation, the instrument choice on this. It's it's like a mix between futuristic electronic, like alien electronic, and really humble, homey, like conveyance of nature and like water and air. It, it's a really interesting sound. Like it, it has like a timeless quality to it. Yeah, there's something about it. It's like almost the, you use the word Zen for the last one, but I think that fits this as well. This is Zen too, yeah. And there's almost yeah, a- Yeah, what a good one-two punch There's like here. a Philip Glassy minimalist quality to it. But yes. also Philip Glass, I don't just mean minimalist because it's like simple, but also the way, what I love about the music of Philip Glass is the way that he can get so much emotion out of these simple repeated so little ideas. yeah and and that really has to be said about both this and the previous track um it's so impressive like and, and this is a very short piece of music and and actually so was lullaby for a witch like what all these composers were able to do in that short amount of time with that short amount of notes and material hats off yeah completely yeah and there's so much i of, don't have any hats for this one it's off <laughs> <laughs> For this one, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the specific implementation and the kinds of the ways that that little motif is delayed and syncopated with the other yeah. line. It's it's really it's it's basic in the sense that yeah, it's not very long. There's not much material here, but it's a very again something we keep coming back to: intricately crafted, um, very well observed, and careful attention to detail. And kids are going to notice it. <laughs> whether they know it or not okay let's uh we're getting close to the end here let's play another tomoyo tamita track that was submitted from kirby's epic yarn this is a fun one off-roader dusk dunes frigid fjords here we go You guys listening to Off-Roader Dusk Dunes Friggy Fjords by Tomoyo Tamita. One little fun fact about this one, he's using a lot of the same virtual instruments that he used in Wario Land Shake It, um, which was just a couple years before this, I think. So that's kind of cool as a fan of Tamita to hear that. Um, 
the kind of palette of this song is very different than most of what we get in Kirby's Epic Yarn. So it's a real change of pace musically, but it's a lot of fun. And yeah, very kid-friendly. This whole game is, and the whole score, but especially this one. Yeah, and this kind of like bluesy rock pop piano sound just makes me think of like Billy Joel. Uh, it's totally. just really delightful. I mean, it even has like a little hints of like gospel influence in some of the chord yeah. progressions and voicings, but just well, you know, Will, really excellent. There's not enough of this. You guys may have noticed there's no bass in this. This isn't a full band. It's just it's a piano. It's kind of like a solo blues piano feature that happens to have a really funky kind of soloistic drum kit with it too. Like that's a cool sound. Yeah. I really like the sound of that. Um, like a duet, you know, drums and piano. I don't know. I could use more of that. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think often it's There's so much it's, space for them. It's difficult having um, a rhythm section without a designated bass instrument. So like having keys in drums, but if they're the only thing, you know, it's not supporting some so other much soloist. To play around. Yeah. And then the, the keyboard player can just take up a lot of space. And what's cool here is you can, I think part of it is because Tamita wanted the sound of those low octaves for the piano bass line and kind of, the no, it made total into sense that. Yeah. for this track. Absolutely. Yeah. So guys, we're going to play you out with an SNES track uh, from power load runner. It's called at the beach and it's composed by Shinji Takakawa. I want to thank our wonderful Discord community for all these outstanding picks. And yes, every single suggestion Elliot listened to and enjoyed. Uh, So thanks to all of you. Um, If anyone else wants to join our Discord community, shoot us an email. Uh, Thanks for all the nice emails and comments. I want to thank everyone for all the love uh, that we've got for Stratum Shift which is a recent album, collaborative album that just came out. Yeah. Pretty insane if anyone didn't see this, but um, we did tweet at Yuzo Kashiro. And he li- not only did he listen to the whole album, he retweeted and gave a really loving and kind and positive kind of review of it. He really, really enjoyed the album. And so that really made all of our weeks. It was really touching um, to see that. And yeah, so we just appreciate that feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Check it out if you guys haven't listened to it already. And I'm looking forward to kind of more work from the three of you in that collective. Me too. Uh, and I Me think too. it's it was interesting doing uh, like the way in which you captured the Etrian Odyssey series. But it, it still, it felt like just mildly so. And there's something about yeah. that that almost makes it more earnest of a of a tribute because you're putting more of yourselves into it and it feels more personal and right. less like an imitation or a kind of facsimile yeah it was not nearly as stringent of an homage as some previous projects um, that i've been involved in and that we've been involved in so it was kind of just in a, a bit of an excuse of oh yeah let's do something in this vibe um, but there are definitely moments and and tracks here and there when we're really just kind of doing our own thing Um, So yes, check that out. I think that's about it. Thanks, everyone. Uh, We love all y'all. Hope you enjoy this Power Load Runner track. And that's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. (laughs) 